Welcome, brave listeners, to another frightening tale. Please visit me at frighteningtales.com for more scary stories. And as ever, if you've written your own, please submit it for a future performance. Today's story, Salad, written by Catherine Widows. At Granny Marge's request and expense, the black limo that matched her dress and her mood had waited. It drove the Gates family back to Bridge House. Solemn wipers flicked water from the windscreen as it reflected skeletal trees. The crooked, half-timbered building looked the same from the outside. But once they shuffled in through the heavy oak door, the floors creaked more loudly, the clock ticked more slowly, and the living room fire refused to light. It feels different somehow. Granny Marge lifted her silver-rimmed glasses and wiped away another tear from her soft gray eyes. Less like home. Her breath was short. Let me make you a cup of gran. Why don't you take a seat? Josephine pulled out a chair from the kitchen table and filled the kettle. She was careful not to chip her mint green nails, though even granddad's favorite color seemed to dim in the new shadows of the old house. You know... Your granddad Billy made this table. And chairs. Marge tucked a balled-up tissue inside her cardigan cuff. I know, Gran. I know. I bet you don't know what's underneath them. She stared at the Hessian rug. He always said he'd cut it out for me before anything happened to him. But you should be careful what you promise. She lowered herself in her seat and placed one hand over her chest. Josephine's eyes searched her grandmother's face. Are you all right, Gran? Do you need your pills? Where's your, your mom and dad? Mom's in the bathroom and dad's on the cell phone to cousin Lucy. She's very upset. Get them in here. I want my soapstone chest set. I'm not sure what you mean, Gran. Water's nearly boiled. I'll go find them. Josephine knocked on the bathroom door. Mom, you okay? Can I come in? It's open. I'm just doing my hair. Everything all right? Tina was fixated on the mirror. If I find one more gray. She plucked an offender from the brunette fringe with her finger and thumb and consigned it to the petal bin. My mother didn't dye her hair till she was well into her 70s and I'll be damned if I can't be the same way. Funerals don't help. Dead people in general don't help. 
The last thing I need is to look like I've seen a ghost. I refuse to grow old gracefully. I'm looking for Gran's pills. She's holding her chest again. Another thing that doesn't help with my stress. Tina opened the bathroom cabinet and rummaged for a small brown bottle. Here they are. I'll take them to her. Maybe you can find your father. Brian was just finishing on his call, his weary eyes downcast. Can't you bring your gran into the living room, Josephine? The kitchen's always cold and creepy. She's all set up in there now, and I don't want to move her. She doesn't seem quite well. Besides, the fire in here won't light. And I'm making tea. The AGA's on in the kitchen. Okay, but let's not stay too long. As soon as your gran is properly settled, we, we should go. I want to get home before it's dark. He looked towards the kitchen door and a shiver crossed his shoulders. Especially in this filthy weather. The family gathered one by one round granddad's oval table. Tendrils of steam wisped from porcelain mugs as hands began to warm. Josephine broke the silence. What did you mean, Gran, about the soapstone chess set? Did I say that? I didn't mean to bother anyone. Forget I spoke. Marge pulled her thick tights straight with her bony fingers. I'm sure you had one, Mum. When I was a kid, said Brian. Black and blue pieces on a circular board with the squares marked on. Yeah, what happened to that? It's in the cellar. Marge's eyes widened. <gasps> and she covered her mouth with her hand. Forget I spoke! Forget I spoke! Her face raised towards the ceiling and she pretended to take great interest in a spider crawling along the central beam. What cellar? Brian grew up in this house and never mentioned a cellar. Tina's neatly plucked eyebrows knitted as she glanced at her husband. But Granddad Billy, when he got sick, started talking about something precious hidden under the house. Does anyone know what he meant? Is there a cellar under the kitchen table, Gran? asked Josephine. Under this rug? She looked down and ran the pointed toe of her black stiletto against the edge of the hessian. Granny Marge sipped her tea and took a long, deep breath. She turned her wedding ring around her finger a couple of times. Then she lifted her hand to her lips and kissed the gold band. I promised I'd never tell, but I don't know why. My memory isn't what it was, and now he's gone, and no one will get my chess set. We'll get your chess set, Mom. Brian put a hand on her shoulder. What did you promise? Oh, I can't really remember, but I know I'm not supposed to move the rug. There were puzzled glances around the table. Without further discussion, Brian and Tina stood and gestured to Josephine to do the same. A few minutes later, they had pushed the table and 
chairs against one wall and rolled up the hessian rug. There, in the center of the kitchen floor, was a wooden hatch with a curved metal handle folded into a groove along one edge. Brian bent down and pulled the handle proud of the trapdoor. After a few firm tugs, the hatchway lifted. It was hinged at the back and opened onto a set of gray stone steps that descended into darkness. Brian laid the wooden hatch back against the boards, fully open, and peered into the gloom. Brian stopped dead at the opening to the hatch, skin crawling, eyes watering, hit hard by a deja vu. He had to take a breath to keep his balance. He'd been down those steps before, many times as a kid, clutching a torch and a blanket, shivering and scared. It was always damp and cold, and the walls were slimy to the touch. Hairs on the back of his neck prickled, and a chill rattled his spine. Punishment. Cellared like a good wine, his dad would say, a sharp whiff of liquor on his breath. You'll age better this way. And then the door would close, shut tight, blocking out the light, leaving Brian alone for hours, until his mom took pity on him and he'd emerge, blinking into the kitchen. She'd clean him up and sneak him to his bed while his dad lay in a whiskey-induced slumber on the living room settee. When he'd spoken to his mom about it as a teenager, she'd said it was dreams and an overactive imagination. His dad had dismissed the stories as poppycock. But it was true. It was all true. Memories clawed their way to the bubbling surface of Brian's mind. Pungent, moldy smells. Cold that ate at his bones. Feet so wet they wrinkled. The only object down there was a black and blue soapstone chess set He'd found on a rotting shelf as he passed the beam of his torch around in desperation. And one more thing. He'd played with that chess set. And not alone. There was another boy with golden hair that shone in the rays of the flashlight. Taller than Brian and skinnier, gaunt, pale, sickly. He hardly spoke, but he knew how to move the pieces. He was always blue. Brian was always black. Brian clenched his fists and fought back the tears. He could not recall the boy's face and did not want to. 
recollection of any further details today would open the floodgates. He'd held it together at his own father's funeral. He had vowed that his daughter would only see him cry if she was graduating or getting married. He could wait and weep for the other boy later, as long as he wasn't reminded of his face. Josephine gasped as a rush of cold air escaped the hatch, wrapping itself around her bare calves. It took her a moment to process, but unwelcome memories kicked in. The fear came back from the first time she'd seen him. She'd been wearing a black skirt that day, too, but it had been her school uniform. She was about seven coming in from the rain to get warm by the AGA. A very blonde boy. She could almost see through, flickered into view by the opposite wall. He crossed the kitchen, passing right through to the center of the breakfast table. Then he bent down before sinking into the floor, out of sight. And then there was screaming, and that awful smell, this awful smell. It was damp, from the cellar, and from his clothes. Whenever she'd seen him, his denim jeans and red striped t-shirt had been wet, but he left no drips on the floor. The apparition had appeared to her several times, but not since she was about 13. She'd never mentioned it to anyone for fear they'd think she was mad, but she wasn't mad. The ghostly boy had been going into the cellar. Josephine swept her eyes around the kitchen, furtively checking for any sign of the child. The chills and tension she had felt at age seven were rising through her bones. If she saw him one more time, she was certain that she would turn and run and never be able to enter Gran's house again. Granny Marge, unsteady on her feet at the best of times, watched the trap door open and then sank right back down into a chair at the side of the room. Her family had gone very quiet, and she wasn't sure why. Tina had brought her pills. Was Brian going to get her chest set or not? Maybe he needed a torch. It was a bit creepy down there, from what she remembered. She'd always given Brian and his brother a square-bodied torch with a chunky handle to go down the steps when they were kids. Where might that be? Brian and his brother. His brother. Jim was still down there after that terrible flood in 1969. They'd told everyone he'd run away. The police had looked for him for weeks. 
She knew the cellar was supposed to be a secret. Her chest was starting to feel tight again. Eight-year-old Jim stirred in the darkness as the chilling water swirled around his knees. It was nearly time for his grueling walk. The same grueling walk he was doomed to repeat every time the cellar flooded until someone discovered his river-polished bones and put him to his final rest. As soon as he had to fight to keep his mouth and nose above the waterline, he would be transported, he knew not how, to the kitchen. He would cross the boards until he found himself at the cellar hatch. He'd cry as he opened it and took the first few steps down into the gloom. By the time he reached the basement floor, he'd be screaming. He'd continue to scream as he panicked in the muddy water, gasping for breath, scrabbling against the slimy steps. He'd keep his head clear of the flood until he tired in the darkness and his lungs filled with cold, murky sludge. The first time it happened, there was nothing. For a while, he just waited, alone in seeming obscurity, for days perhaps, or years. How could he tell? Then for a time, the cellar door would open occasionally. He'd be joined by another boy who had a square-bodied torch and a blanket and played chess with him. But that boy had stopped coming long ago Sometimes he sensed a girl in the kitchen, perhaps young enough and open enough to sense him too. But for a while now, he couldn't summon enough anger to make anyone aware of his presence. Today, the hatch was open again. He shielded his eyes against the light to see, and there were people peering in. Perhaps this would be the final day he would relive the echo of his death. Perhaps he could make them see him one last time. You've been listening to Salad, written by Catherine Widows, presented by FrighteningTales.com. If you should find yourself in possession of a frightening tale of your own that you'd like to share, please submit it through FrighteningTales.com for a future episode. Only submit stories you own the rights for to two otherwise is just, well, evil. Do tune in again for another scary moment, if you're brave enough. <laughs>